All right. Thank you all for having me here today. I'm excited to share with you just what God has been putting my heart on, putting on my heart this week. Um, yeah, I gotta say it's been pretty difficult uh, when God gives you something to teach and you're like, God, like this is something that I also am having a hard time with. And throughout the week, I was like, okay, God, like. I want to grow in this and I want to be able to step into it, but at the same time, I just see myself failing so much and it's difficult to be like, okay, God, you can speak through this and you can also speak to me through this and help me grow, even though I don't see the growth quite yet. And so today, um, as we follow Paul on his missionary journey, we're going to be talking a little bit about idols, things that we worship in our lives, things that we put above God. And yeah, for me this week, God has really been like opening my eyes to the things that I spend my time on, you know, the areas of my life that I spend way too much energy, way too much effort, and way too much time worrying about, thinking about, you know, they just take up everything, my whole being, instead of just being with God and letting him take care of my worries, letting him take care of the things that I need. Um, So yeah, uh, before I begin, I just thought it'd be good to take a moment to just pray and like be quiet and think about the things that you know we have in our lives that take up too much of our time take up too much of our resources too much of our love um, and just come to God with those things so if you just close your eyes with me Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this day, God. I thank you for this time that we have together, Lord, in your presence, seeking you together. God, I just ask that as I speak and as we listen to what you have to say to us, Lord, we would just come with open hearts in God, that we would just be willing to let go of the things that we're holding on to tightly. Lord, would you just help us to have a vision for what you want to say to us and just um, a willingness to step into it, God. Would we just be uh, obedient to your leading? And Lord, would we also just help one another? Would we be willing to ask um, for those alongside us to hold us accountable? And God, um, yeah, that we would just be willing ourselves to, uh, to just come to you with the things in our life that are overwhelming, that are uh, too much for us. God, I just thank you for this day, and I just pray that uh, as we look into the life of Paul, we would just be challenged in our own lives to live for you, and God, that you would just be present, and we would just get to see you at work, and we would just be filled with joy. I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, um, so we're going to begin in Acts 17. Verse 15, it says, Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. And so right before this starts, Paul has been, um, you know, in Macedonia and Berea, and he has been preaching the gospel, and there are Jews who have come against him because they were jealous, and they want him out of there. They don't want him teaching about Jesus as the Messiah. And so after facing persecution, he has to go. And right here, it tells us that he went alone. 
And so he arrives in Athens all by himself. Silas and Timothy are still in Berea. They're still um, encouraging people there. They're still teaching people there about the gospel. But Paul has moved on. And he's alone in this. And so at first, you know, I'm sure he's kind of like, okay, God, like I'm here. I'm in this space. It's new. I don't know what exactly uh, I'm going to do. But I know that there are going to be people that you're going to lead me to talk to. And there are going to be people that you're going to have me speak with. And so he goes to the kind of two big spaces that there'd be lots of people, um, either philosophers who are talking with each other or people in the synagogue. And so if we follow in the next verse, um, it says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in this, with them in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. And so he picks the two places that there's going to be a lot of people and he knows that he can share the gospel with. So while he's waiting and he's in this season where he doesn't know exactly where God is leading him, he knows that he has a calling to speak God's truth to people and to challenge them in their faith. If they're already Jewish, he knows that Jesus is the Messiah and so he's the coming king and that means that they have all the scriptures, they have all the road signs that are pointing to Jesus, and they need to know about their, about their Savior. And for the Greeks, he knows that they need the hope, because right now, Gentiles, they don't have anything. They're hopeless. They just have all these idols that are taking up their time. And it says here that he's greatly distressed, and it's, it's kind of this anger that burns in him, in his spirit, because he knows that these people are spending all their time worshiping things that can't help them. Because in Athens at the time, and well, even now if you go there, there are all these temples and all these sites where people are worshiping gods, where they're spending their animals, you know, like their sacrifices, or they're spending their time or all their energy or all their money giving towards. There are these sites that may look kind of beautiful now if you go back and you visit them uh, and you look at them, you're like, wow, this is amazing architecture. This is, you know, this cool space. But at the time, there would just be filled with people who are worshiping something that isn't God and worshiping something that can't help them. You see, Paul is very passionate because he knows that God is jealous for every one of us, that God wants each and every one of us to put away the things in our lives that take up too much of our time. And God wants us to spend that time with him, to get to know our creator and to get to know, you know, the plan that he has for us and the goal that he has for us in a relationship with him so that we can spend quality time on this earth and that we aren't filled with this longing and this desire that can never be filled. And so uh, I myself have had the privilege of going to Athens. Uh, I got to see it. It was a really beautiful city. And like you walk around and you see these temples and you're just blown away because they're massive. And people have spent years of their life working hard at making these things. And they're beautiful in their own right. But at the same time, these things aren't actually good for them. They are created by their hands, but when they worship them and they worship the gods that they've made inside of them, it ends up leaving them way worse off. And so while I went to Athens and I had like a really good 
view and I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is such a beautiful city and there's uh, so many cool things to see and you can, um, you know, kind of feel like, oh man, I'm walking where Paul might have walked. Like, this is sweet. Um, at the same time, you're also filled with, uh, you know, this realization that while Paul was here, there was huge statues and there was people who day after day would go into these places and would be sacrificing all kinds of things that probably aren't good. Um, yeah, and uh, among those would be like, you know, their animals, but also like human sacrifice is something that people do as well. And so we know that in the pursuit of our own gods, in the pursuit of their own gods, people turn to really evil things. And so we have to be careful ourselves as we enter into this life and as we have things in our lives that we worship, things in our life that we pursue and we pursue to a level that is unhealthy. And so as we continue um, in verse 22, Paul says, then, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Arab pages and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. And so uh, Paul, he is, um, he's allowed to come to this meeting where there are a bunch of philosophers who spend most of their time talking to each other, talking about the ideas of the day, talking about, um, you know, what is life really like? What is the meaning of life? And so they're having these kind of very philosophical conversations. And Paul enters in and he's trying to challenge them in their thinking. That even though they have all these gods that they worship, and some of them they don't even realize what this god is, and they still worship it, they have nothing. And they need to know the truth. They need to know that these idols that they've made for themselves can't actually help them. And I think uh, from this, Paul is uh, really wanting to challenge them uh, in their thinking. And so he goes and uh, he gives a little explanation and kind of sermon to them uh, in the later verses. It says, he says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he, gives him, he, gives him, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And so Paul, he really sees that God does not need us in the way that these gods that they have made need them. God doesn't need our worship. God delights in it. God wants us to have a relationship with him. God wants us to cast down our idols so that we can be filled with his love and his goodness. So that when we have relationships with other people, we show that love to them. And so that we have meaningful relationships. And we're not filled with jealousy and envy and strife towards one another because they don't give us the things that we want. Because we aren't filling our own egos and we aren't making ourselves our own gods. 
And so, um, yeah, as I was saying this last week, I've been thinking about myself and the things in my life that have become way too big. And for me, I think the biggest thing is my own entertainment, whether it's on my phone, you know, scrolling through Instagram on social media or watching movies or TV shows or playing video games or like, um, yeah, doing sports or like just trying to fill my time so that every single second I am doing something. And I was just really challenged this week as like, I was, yeah, a lot of the nights before I go to bed, I like would be on my phone and I would just be scrolling for like an extra hour before I went to sleep. And it was like, I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh man, I'm so tired. Like, why do I have to be so tired all the time? And it's like, you idiot, of course you're tired. You're spending all your time on your phone before you go to bed. You know, and it's like, there's these things that it's like, I know this is bad, I know it's wrong. I can see that it's unhelpful and that I'm spending my time in the wrong place. It's making me tired. It's, you know, ruining my future and my day, but yet I still do it and I still spend my time in it because I'm also looking at myself in those moments and I'm thinking, how can I serve me? How can I make myself feel good right now? How can I help myself? And it's unhelpful. I am going down the wrong road in those moments and it's also challenging. It's like, okay, God, how can I use myself in these spaces instead of letting them take over? And so uh, the biggest thing this week that I think God um, really used is my connection with sports and athleticism. There's a group of boys that I'm uh, helping coach basketball to, and it is a great connection to just be with them, hang out with them, and you know, have a good connection, good time, be able to speak into their lives and influence them. And I'm like, okay, God, that is a great example of a way that you can use something that can easily become an idol for me. I know when I was a kid growing up, sports was everything. I'd probably skip church uh, a lot of the time just to be able to, you know, have fun and do what I want. And yet God was now using it as something to speak into some youth's lives. And yeah, it really encouraged me to be like, okay, God, clearly you're at work and clearly you can use the things that I love and the ways that I can serve you in a good way. And uh, yeah, so then the question remains, you know, what are the idols in, in your lives? What are the things that you're doing that are spending your time in bad, unhealthy ways? I, I know for myself, uh, sometimes I can think it's, you know, it's very obvious the things that uh, aren't as healthy for me to do, and yet I still find myself doing them. And so, um, you know, one thing that I think would be super helpful for us as we, you know, go forth in our week and in, in our days ahead is to really think about, okay, how can I step forward with people around me? How can I challenge myself to not just live alone? Because God has given us a community, a community to push each other forward, to spur each other on, and to, you know, just help when it's getting too crazy. That it's like, okay, you know what? I don't need my phone when I go to bed. Maybe I should talk with my roommates and be like, hey, guys, we need, to, we need to take our phones. We need to put them somewhere, you know, before we go to sleep so that we just, like, don't have access to it. And so as we uh, go forth, make sure that um, you're not doing this alone because it's very hard to stop yourself from worshiping, you know, yourself, just allowing yourself to do what you want, to um, experience whatever you want to experience and just live life focused on yourself. Because I feel like, as a culture, that's something that we've pushed on our children, on, on ourselves, is 
do what you want to do and don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it because you can do whatever you want. And I think that's very unhealthy when we think about, okay, what is helpful for us and what is good for us? And oftentimes we think we know what's best, we think we know what's good, and the truth is we don't. And the person who knows what's good is God. And when he tells us, you know, that we should put him first, it's because it's actually good for us. When we spend all of our time doing things, um, you know, that don't actually fill us, we're left empty at the end and we're tired and we're filled with all these emotions that can be negative and, and push us to be negative to the people around us. And we wonder why. We're like, okay, like, why, why do I feel this way towards these people? And it's like, okay, if I actually was to spend more time with God and was to challenge myself not to indulge in the things that I want to do, but to sacrifice and to live a different kind of life, maybe I would see things a little differently. And so I think um, it'd be really helpful to hear from Jesus. And so we're going to look into Luke chapter 6, verses 32 through 36. He says, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even the sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even the sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. So I think, you know, Jesus really has a heart for us to look outward, to stop indulging ourselves, to stop only loving ourselves when we love others. When we love people who love us, it's only because we're gaining from it. You know, when we love people who can't give us anything back, when we love people who can't help us, that's when, you know, our love is, is genuine and it challenges us. Because loving people who don't love you is, is hard. It's difficult. But it's good. And it grows us in a way that we see people differently and we see ourselves differently. And we see the things we love differently. You know, as we, as we think about idols, as we think about what we spend our time on, as we think about how we put ourselves above God, we have to think about how do we view others? Because that will change our perspective in an amazing way. Because when we start looking outward, we stop looking at ourselves. When we start looking at the ways that we can help others, we can invest into other people's lives, we can step into a different kind of life, a different way of living that not only challenges us, but challenges them. Because I know that as, uh, as people who, who don't love others, there are people out there who are challenged when you love them. When you give and they don't know what to do with it. When they are affected by your kindness in a way that is like, why are they nice to me? Why are they kind to me? Why are they showing love to me? And that's what changes people's hearts and that's what changes people's minds. Because that's the kind of God, love God has for us. Because even when we were sinners, God loved us. Even when we do things wrong, even when we make mistakes, even when we put things before God, God still loves us. And God still pursues us. 
And so if we pursue other people like how God pursues us, it'll change not only our lives in the way that we love other people, it'll change their lives as well. And so I think it's also helpful for us to get an idea of what Paul is thinking when he's thinking about idols. And so Paul, as you know, is a very uh, studied man. He has learned a lot of scripture. He studied a lot of scripture. And so he would know that there are a lot of times in the Old Testament where idols are mentioned. And so I'm going to go to a Psalm 115, uh, verses 4 to 8. It says, But their idols are silver and gold, made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, feet but cannot walk. Nor can, their th- nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. And so it's just this idea that the idols, the things that we worship, make us like them. You know, if we worship things that are unhealthy, we're going to become unhealthy people. There are tons of things in our lives that we know are wrong, that we know we need to get rid of, and yet we leave them there thinking they have no effect on us. But the truth is, those things are making us into a certain kind of people, and we have to be careful, because we don't want to become people who are not like God, people who are not like Jesus, because Jesus is their goal. And so we need to have our, our eyes set and our, our ears attentive to what God is speaking to us, so that we can follow Jesus and look to him. And so I think, um, as we think about, okay, what is an idol? How do I know that something is an idol? Uh, it'd be really helpful to look into, the, into Romans when uh, Paul is again talking about idols to the church in Rome. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. He says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. And so I think the big hint that Paul gives us here as to how do we figure out, is this something that is an idol or not, is in verse 21 he sa- when he says that they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. And so as we think about what we're doing, we have to think about, okay, is this something that will glorify God or is this something that will glorify me? Is this something that gives thanks to God? Is it something that is glorifying to him in that way, that it's like, God, you know what? Thank you. This means so much that you have given this to me and given me the ability to speak to people and, and connect with them and challenge them in their thinking. And so uh, we have to be very open with ourselves as we're going through this process. You know, it's very easy to, to look at the things in our lives that... Uh, that we love and just, you know, give them a pass and just kind of say, oh God, like, I'll deal with that later. I'll deal with that when I'm a little older and a little wiser. I know I've done that. Uh, I've done that a lot. 
uh, growing up, it's like, you know, when you're like 18 and you're like, okay, God, like, I know what I should be doing because I've learned about it because people have told me it, but I don't want to do it yet because I'm still young. I want to do what I want to do. And then like, I'll, I'll give time for you when I'm older. And the truth is it's hard and it's, and it sucks a lot of the time because you're like, okay, God, like this is something I desire, but I have to give it up for you. And it's not easy, but it's good for us. And it challenges us to step out and to be people who continually take steps with God. Because as we surrender things to God, he allows us to go deeper with him. And sometimes we can get caught up in thinking, oh God, why isn't my relationship with you deep? And it's because we spend all our time doing other things. And we spend a Sunday, or we spend a couple minutes in the morning, maybe every once in a while, with God. And we spend all of our time doing these other things. And God is like, why do you think that you are going to get closer to me if you never spend time with me? Because you're too busy with your idols, too busy with the things in your life that are worthless, that can't help you. They don't see you. You call out to them and they're deaf. And they're making you like them because you have no hope. Because you're, you're spiraling down the cycle of, ah, oh, man, like, I just wish I could be better. I wish I could go further. I wish this felt more real. And yet, you haven't taken the steps with him. And so, a challenge for us is to step into this. To be like, okay, God, I want to take you for your word. Take you for who you are. And enter into the challenge that you have for me to die to myself daily, to not do everything that I want to do because it's good for me to spend time loving people in a way that I don't want to love them or spending time doing good things like, you know, just reading your Bible or praying more because it will take up time and you will have to sacrifice other things, but it's a good thing. And we have to learn that we don't always know what's good. And so, as we continue the story, um, Silas and Timothy come from Macedonia, and Paul meets them in Corinth. And Paul goes from working by himself, uh, alone in this ministry, to being able to spend full time in ministry. So he no longer has to support himself making tents, um, but now he can, he can enter into it full time. And so they, he has uh, Timothy and Silas helping him as he does this. And so he is investing all that he has into speaking with people and having relationships being built with them. And again, there is Jewish people and there are um, people who are angry with Paul for what he is saying and they come against him again. But this time, God is with him and God um, challenges him to take a step toward the Gentiles instead of going to the Jewish people. And so while he's in this city, he goes to the God-fearing Greeks and he spends time with them. And it says in, verse, in chapter 18, verse 7, he says, Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you. And no one is going to attack you and harm you. Because I have many people in this city. 
So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half teaching them the word of, of God. And so Paul, he, you know, has faced lots of persecution thus far and he's always had to move afterwards. But this time God tells him to stay, that he has a plan and a purpose in what he's doing and that even though he's faced a little bit of persecution, if he perseveres, he will be able to connect with a lot of new people and speak into their lives and connect with them. And so, as we look at Paul's second missionary journey as a whole, there's a lot of conflict that comes against him, whether it's being thrown in jail, or it's having to deal with the idols and false gods of the people, or the persecution of the Jewish people, and the abuse and the affliction that they push against him. In this journey, Paul has to choose to persevere. And as we go forward, we have to choose to persevere. Because it's hard. It's difficult to put yourself second and to put God first. And so I'd like to encourage you all as you go that, that even as we are distracted and led astray, our God is faithful to us. And he's waiting for us to cast down our idols and to seek him. And so all we need to do is be willing to persevere and to let go and to trust God in what we do. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we've had together, Lord. I know it's challenging to be challenged. But Lord, I just pray that we would be people who seek out the challenge, God, so that we could spend more time with you. That, Lord, we would be people who seek after your heart. That, God, as we fail, we would turn to you. And, Lord, when we succeed, we would rejoice with you. Thank you that you are with us in every season, that you're faithful to us, and God, that you are working in our hearts. I ask, Lord, that this week we would just be people who are challenged by your word and step out in faith. That, God, we would just take you seriously. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I pray this in your mighty name. Amen.